Hey everybody, it's Kyla. Welcome to my channel where we talk about the stock market and the economy, amongst other things. Today we have Ben Wheeler back. We're going to talk about Elon Musk buying Twitter and what that means for content moderation, talking a lot about misinformation and disinformation and how content moderation is really important, especially if you want to explore the concept of what free speech really means. We're going to talk about his plan to monetize Twitter, what it really means to pay for a blue check mark, and as well as get into some of the financing aspects of the deal and really just dive deep into what the heck is going on. So hopefully you enjoy the podcast. Hey, Ben. Hey, Kyla. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Always for... glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. I texted you last night and I was like, you want to talk about Elon Musk? And you're like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Always down to talk about Elon Musk. Yeah. This Twitter thing he's gotten himself into seems like it's going to be quite the mess. So I think we should talk about the timeline and then sort of what's going on behind the scenes or what seems to be going on behind the scenes. But then I also think like you've been doing a lot of work on misinformation. So I want you to. <laughs> talk yeah. about that like this word that i came up with is musk information which doesn't actually have the same ring to it that i thought it would like misinformation but musk information but maybe drop the information just musk formation oh okay i think it rings better than musk information yeah yeah this has been going on since april like i remember writing about this in april then on friday the deal was finalized and it's sort of funny because he was trying to get out of it it seemed right he paid 44 billion dollars and he got financing for it but twitter would be worth way less because of what's happening in the market so he really technically overpaid for for the product yeah so it seemed like twitter didn't want to do it at first right <laughs> yeah and then they flipped sides where mm -hmm. elon didn't want to do it but then twitter forced it yeah why did they go through for did they have a like a like a legally did they have a responsibility to go through with the sale Matt Levine has been doing a lot of research or a lot of research, a lot of writing around this. And one thing that he talked about was the shareholder value. So the CEO of Twitter, Parag, had a responsibility to shareholders to get them a really good deal on Twitter, right? And take care of them. Somebody coming in and buying them at a pretty high market cap is a pretty good deal. So for them, it was kind of like, okay, we're going to deliver a good deal to our shareholders, even though the outcome might not be good for the right. general public, right. <laughs> yeah. but it's good for the shareholders. So I think that's kind of what Twitter fell into. This is just a theory I have. I'd be curious if you feel similar, but I think they were just annoyed with him. And they were like, okay, buy it. Like, come over here and buy it. And I guess it's kind of like if you own, you know, your own your mortal enemy. But yeah. at the same time, you also owned yourself. For Elon, there's a lot of legal skirting. So with the whole deal, like he was doing stuff that really he shouldn't have been doing. And a court of law would have made that very clear, you know, and, and the court of law right. did make it clear that he had to buy the company eventually. It's interesting because I don't know how this went through, like illegally. It just feels very fuzzy legally, you know? I mean, is like, do you mean like, like antitrust wise? Or... Yeah, a little bit. Like Bezos owns the Washington Post, but Twitter is such a town square. And I know we talked about this before and you're like, not a lot of people are on Twitter, but I feel like it is a town square to a certain degree where you do have information dissemination. This is like a key way that news gets out into the world, in my opinion. Having one guy be like, it's mine now, just feels strange. I think legally it's probably fine. You know, I don't think it's antitrust, yeah. but you're right. Is it, if it is a town square, I don't know. Because I'm trying to stay away from it because I'm like... yeah. I just want to like consume it like a Netflix series, you know, like at the end of the week. And I've realized I've already missed so much that like, I think I'm fully caught up, but it seems it just keeps coming and coming. And every tweet of his is also news. It's it's quite a bit. He bought the company on Friday and then he takes over. He brings a sink into the room. Do you know why he brought a sink? It was to my understanding was that the joke was that I've bought Twitter, let that sink in. Oh. But I was like, if that's the case, that's stupid. 
he does tell a lot of dumb jokes. So I think that could be it. Right? Because like, let the sink in, like he's being let in. I was taking it from like a really meta angle. And I was like, oh, it's because he's merging it with the X company that he has X holdings. It's going to be everything in the kitchen sink now. Like that's what I... That's what I thought it was. Maybe you're right. Anyway, he brings a sink into the headquarters and then he fires the CEO. He fires, I think, one of their top lawyers. And then he also dissolves the board of directors. And so he's the sole head of the company now. I think also what was interesting is he has made it really, okay, like I'm going to have this be a place for free speech. And then now he's like, oh, there's going to be a content moderation council. And it's interesting, like the people that are in the room with him are like the all in podcast cast guys and a couple of vcs and it's like yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> oh, oh god we know who's fully on the council yet is, is, is it just the vc people or i'm not sure i think they're helping him like with the direction but twitter's i think is yoel is how you say his name yoel roth he's twitter's head of safety and integrity he was like there's all these we have taken down these accounts that are tweeting slurs so they're going to have to have a content moderation council i don't know who's going to be on it but like they're already having this free-for-all and also fifty thousand slurs were tweeted and it came from 300 accounts. So it's going to be like that sort of situation where you have, mm-hmm. you know, like probably not nice people choosing Twitter as a place for them to just be awful humans. They said the slurs increased by 500% once he bought it, which is, I mean, the policies haven't changed. It's just people yeah. are feeling emboldened. And then in terms of monetization, but he says that he's going to make blue checks pay $20 a month to maintain that verification. And then he's also talking about bringing back Vine. And everyone is like, like the blue check is not meant to be a status symbol. It's most, it's supposed to be like, okay, you know, this person is safe. Turning that into monetization, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So that's kind of like everything that's going yeah. on. He's also planning to lay off 25% of the staff and he dissolved the board of directors, like I said. So that's everything that's happened in the past like four days. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like he's desperately trying to turn a profit on this fast. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's possible. Twitter's unprofitable for a wide variety of reasons, but like... It's political. Right. And I mean, this is the same guy who was having crocodile tears about how he apparently couldn't afford SpaceX funding uh, Ukraine's internet, right? So, I mean, now he's... You know, this mastermind's going to turn a profit? I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm very skeptical of it. I do genuinely believe he will give up within two years. I don't think he'll sell. I just think, I don't know what Elon giving up on Twitter means, but I think his level of caring goes away. You could take it public again, maybe. Yeah. Throw the bag out there. Yeah. What is his end game here? What does Elon Musk get out of this? He now oh, owns... Yeah. It'd be like me buying like my local Nof Nof, right? Like I <laughs> love shawarma, but now I have to run the store. And that sucks, right? I would just rather be the customer, right? I think that I think you he crossed the line of like, this is a product I like, so let me buy it. And now you have to deal with it. There was a tweet that said, tech companies don't do things because they're easy. They do things because they thought they were easy. So I think he maybe got into that sort of situation. And I think yeah. for him, like everything is a joke. Like he is untouchable. He's Teflon. Nothing happens when he does things that other people would like go to jail for, you know, like tweeting 420, taking Tesla private. That's a huge deal. But for him, like he's, I also think like to your point about like, what, what is his actual plan? There's been a lot of discussion about, you know, this blue check stuff that he's doing where he doesn't understand the users are not customers, right? Like they are the platform. So you have to almost have advertising dollars in order for it to even be something useful going back two sentences earlier 
I think Trump or not Trump, oh. Musk. Oh boy. Yeah, Musk <laughs> being Freudian. held accountable for nothing, right? Nothing mm-hmm. ever mattering when he does things. I think that has less to do with a cult of personality and more to do with the billions and billions of dollars he has. We fired the CEO. We fired a bunch of, of the C-suite people. He knows it's going to be expensive for them to take this to court. And for him, it's just like, like, you know, whatever, no big deal. I have billions and billions of dollars. Similar with Mark Zuckerberg and what Mark is doing with this, the metaverse. Like if you have a bunch of money, you're just going to do things. So yeah, the metaverse is we oh, no, I have so nope, much to say about don't, it. We can't no. get into it. We can't get into <laughs> Absolutely it. Get not. Into it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, no, that, that we can talk about that another time. That yeah. that would be like just us sitting here just crying. <laughs> Honestly, we should just go and do an episode from the metaverse. No. I don't know if this is true or not. And like you might actually have more insight, but there was speculation that he he's he's kind of tight with China and Russia. And also Saudi Arabia is a huge financer of this deal that he did. So what do you think about that from just a geopolitical perspective? Like that seems not, not good, right? I, yeah, so I can't, I can't exactly comment on what his direct ties are. I do know that after he tweeted the, what if we just gave Taiwan the China thing? He got tax breaks in China. I believe this is a new story. You may have to verify it and edit yeah, it, but I'm pretty sure. sure this is a story I saw. Uh, So we got the tax breaks. As for the whole Russia stuff, I have no idea what's going on there. There was the belief that maybe he could be compromised, but I was like, I don't know, you're the richest man on the planet. And I mean, just just say it, right? So I don't think that's the case either. I think there was a newsletter that really hit the nail on the head. The name's missing me, but it's basically people and tech people, when they look at geopolitics and diplomacy in the same way they look at their line of work, they just come up with disastrous solutions. Business is a very clear solution to things and tech is a very clear solution to things. And diplomacy is not, right? Like if you're looking at it, you're just like, okay, let's just give Donbass to Russia and have Russia have Crimea and then the war's over. No, they're, they belong to Ukraine, right? And Russia may have held them for the past eight years, but it's still Ukraine. Diplomacy is, uh, I don't want to say it's motivated by emotion, but it's much more motivated by principles, right? And it's the principle of it. So I don't, I don't know... If he's tight with Russia, I know there's something going on with China, right? We all know that. But the Saudi Arabia connection is also weird. But they're like trying to get their claws into every aspect of American society with a pretty broad scope, right? Uh, so you have the weird Trump connection with Khashoggi and then Jared Kushner getting the $2 billion investment from the sovereign man- wealth fund or sovereign mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, so they got the $2 billion from there. And then they also have this golf tour they're trying to start, mm-hmm. oh, um, which yeah. is a nightmare. And also nothing short of just trying to change America's images of them. And this is all coming while we have this whole OPEC fight that Saudi Arabia is squarely behind. It's very weird to see how tied in some of the wealthier Americans we have are with them. That's a bit startling too, I'd say. I believe there was a whistleblower that suggested that Saudi at some level was able to access DMs of users of dissidents. If that is true, and if they continue to do that, where they continue to suppress speech, then we have a uh, true crisis on our hands, right? And we haven't noticed that level of suppression or anything like that with China and TikTok, despite Tans has made a very concerted effort to separate themselves from uh, the CCP, or at least the strong hand of it. But as with Saudi, it seems as though 
the crown prince wants access. Everyone will give him access to what he wants. And you could have a national security crisis on your hands. So that's actually an interesting parallel. So people get really up in arms about China and TikTok. Like people tell me all the time, I'm not going to watch your TikToks because I don't want China having my data. Do you think it would be like similar with Twitter and and Saudi Arabia? They're just financing. So I can't imagine they're going to be like in the room making decisions. But yeah, it's still an American company. So I don't know. Although I That's would true. say, I mean, China already has your data anyway. So just I know. Data, Don't know, trust so. me. When people say that, I'm like, they... <laughs> yeah, you already they have. <laughs> but I think like also to the Elon point, there's like international consequences to what he has to figure out, right? Like the EU tweeted at him and they were like, hey guy, you know, under the, the Digital Services Act, I think it is, you're going to have to be really careful about how you do this um, if you want, you know, European people to use it. So he's like, he wants to go this free speech abs- absolutism route over under two years before Twitter is banned in the EU. Or maybe not banned, but heavily um, not suppressed. Like, what's the word for a discour- discouraged? Mm. Well, I mean, I think there's think? two paths there. It all depends on advertisers. Like, that's the thing. So it depends on how Elon wants to monetize this thing. Because I could see him deciding that, like, okay, I want to have this be a free speech place. I don't think free speech means what we think it means. So we have this one situation where it becomes a free speech platform. I do think Europe would be like, absolutely not. But then we have the other situation where Elon um, doesn't really uh, manifest that free speech stuff because he has to maybe figure out advertiser dollars. But then he also has, you know, funders. He has people backing him who want to see a return one day. So I think like, you know, A16Z is in there. I think Sequoia is in there. So I don't know if they're going to want to be associated with you know, presumably it'd be like, it would be horrible, horrible stuff that the free speechism would create. And can you explain like why, why free speechism is not really free speech and like what happens? Yeah, because like, so like the whole town square idea is like all fine and dandy until yeah. like you think about who goes to like town meetings. <laughs> it's like extremists, right? Uh, which is disappointing, but also the free speechism is not really free speech in the sense of that if other people are made unsafe by your yeah. speech then you're just suppressing their speech. Um, And so when marginalized groups are silenced through bullying and racist campaigns and sexist campaigns, it doesn't, how is that free speech? If anything, it it impends on their right to free speech. And so I think it's not, I don't think it'll work. And I I think Elon Musk will learn the same lesson that Parler learned, which is that they had to start suppressing people, what people were saying, because turns out, you know, people don't want to be in an unmoderated area. Uh, or an unmoderated app. And they also, turns out advertisers don't want the the world's kookiest things your mom on Facebook thought of next to their ads. So, um, yeah, so I mean, it's really not free speech. And, you know, going back to the original question, but yeah, it's really not free speech in the sense of you can suppress others through your language. It's not free speech. But it's also, do do they even want free speech? I believe Elon Musk wants free speech. Some of his followers, though, perhaps lean right i don't think they want free speech i think they want to be the deciders of free speech because that is how they've deemed twitter and the left rather than like i don't know just don't say 
that mean things, right? Those are two different things. Like, I think we're both all for the free free speech, like saying what you want and, uh, you know, a reasonable way, way, whatever that means. But like, if you're screaming at people online and harassing them, that does not create, you know, free speech for everybody, which would be their ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you that like, I think Elon has, you know, intent, relatively, I guess, okay intentions about, okay, like we should have a platform where people can say what they want. Like that makes total sense. But I do think like some of his followers are like, now I can be racist you know and that's not cool you think elon has realized that he's co-opted a dual fan base and that there are a lot of people who like him for his innovation but there are also a lot of people who like him as some kind of symbol of an anti-woke do you think he quite understands that yet i think so you know respect for what he's done i respect what he's done and what he's built but i do think that like, it's been weird. Like, you you saw Mark Andreessen from A16Z sort of take that path, too, where it's anti-wokeism. David Sachs, uh, who's part of the All In podcast crew, you've seen a lot of these middle-aged men deciding that this is some anti-woke movement that they're going to spearhead. So I do think he understands that part of the audience. I don't think he totally understands it because he's like, I'm going to bring back Vine. And that right. playing to nostalgia is, is not what his audience wants, you know? Yeah, I, the Vine... Th- is a weird angle, right? Is he trying to compete with TikTok and YouTube? I mean, I don't know. I think for him, it, it's like a nostalgia thing. So if I bring this back, people who maybe used Vine will come back over. Wait, what's that word? Nostalgia? Nostalgia. Huh? Nostalgia. What? It's Nost- pronounced nostalgia. Nostalgia? Yes, dead serious. <laughs> oh, that's so embarrassing. Oh, no, no, I mean, you're, you probably learned it reading. That's why I you can't can... run Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say words. <laughs> what were we talking about before? Oh, the we're talking vine. about Vine. Yeah, yeah. I think if he thinks he's going to bring it back and it's going to be a competitor to TikTok or Shorts, I think he's out of his mind. It's, um, it's too intense right now. Too much comp- competition. I, I think Vine. Like I, I don't think Vine will have the prodigal son story that perhaps he thinks it will. Vine was TikTok before TikTok, and they shut it down for some unidentified reason, and then six years later, another company made it and just named it musically slash tiktok so yeah there was um did you ever read the text that he sent back in, like it was like pages and pages of text that he was like talking to people about twitter with oh those are real yeah i watched it i thought someone on tiktok was doing this like a joke no when they were like reading the text i was like oh these are hilarious like this is totally what a psycho billionaire would say i didn't realize they were yeah. real they were court oh, no yeah mm-hmm. they were presented in court and in that he was talking about like making twitter like a decentralized um network and there's this thread from croissant.eth i think and i want to read the final tweet because he's talking about like SBF, who's the head of FTX. And then he was talking to Jack Dorsey about it. Plan B. So this is Elon's plan B for Twitter that he was texting back with SBF about. My plan B is a blockchain-based version of Twitter where the tweets are embedded in the transaction as comments. So you'd have to pay maybe 0.1 Doge per comment or repost of that comment. So it wouldn't be relying on advertiser dollars, but rather that transactional-based blockchain-based. Um stupid uh like i don't know like i don't know what other someone once came to me like five years ago they said what if we what if people could just buy votes like they could just be like okay i'm gonna buy a million votes yeah like shouldn't they have a bigger say based on how much money they have and i was like have you not learned anything from like any of european history or anything like that like the whole revolution thing so yeah no that sounds dumb and that also sounds like a good way to just create a more public version of a slack channel 
right? Like, I mean, you have to be hired by the company to chat in a Slack channel. Similarly, like, what is this going to be a read only thing? I, I'm, I think I have some pretty cool thoughts, but I'm not paying to put them online. So if anything, he should be paying us to share our thoughts, right? Uh, the users are the product. Yeah. We talked a lot about thoughts and like sharing thoughts in the product itself. But I think like one big concern just in general right now, as we go into midterms is misinformation. I <laughs> am the king of misinformation, you go on any of my TikTok comment sections and you will just see oh. uh, not a way. I'm not the king of mis. I'm the king of fighting misinformation. Right. I don't spread it. The big mm. distinction there. Yeah. But yeah, so essentially misinformation, all misinformation starts with disinformation, right? Mm. Now there are some like misinformation things like when I, last time we did this, I told everyone your name was Kyla's Can. Uh, actually, that was disinformation because I knew it wasn't. So, so um, teased about that. Right, right, right. Every time someone repeats it, it's misinformation. Misinformation on Twitter already spreads very fast because of the retweet tool, right? And the retweet is a very, I think, a very unique tool in the sense of everyone already has a very tight social media bubble. Um, and so when someone retweets something, there's a belief of like, oh, this is legit. And my friend thinks this is important, so I should read it, right? And so I think in that principle, it's, in theory, it's very cool. It's very smart, and it could really amplify conversations. However, humans are humans. And so it, like, if anything, it actually just spreads misinformation faster, right? It doesn't make things smoother, right? And that's how it spreads like wildfire faster than any other platform. And misinformation is more rampant on tic on Twitter than it is TikTok, which is... That's a high bar know, to clear. <laughs> high bar to clear. Yeah. And so if Musk says he's going to make Twitter a free-for-all, he's going to create uh, not just a problem for the for our democracy, he's also going to create a problem for himself, right? This new verification plan hurts one of the most passive ways of combating disinformation and misinformation, because in a way, it just tells people this is who this person is. Stephen King, you, you sent this to me this morning, Stephen yes. King was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to pay $20 a month. And Elon was like, we, are, we have to pay the bill somehow, maybe $8. So it's not even that well thought out, you know? So, but going right. back to your point, like it's, it's not even a good way to like verify and, and yeah sorry i just wanted to yeah. say it. Like, it's not very thought out <laughs> oh absolutely right so like in theory like there is an over verification problem mm -hmm. there are some people mm -hmm. i'm just like who are you and why do you have a check mark right mm -hmm. but for others like it is important to distinguish between the new york times oan or the santa monica observer elon's favorite and a random person right and so i think the check mark helps do that and especially because 53 percent of Twitter users use it for news. That's more than any other platform. If you go the route of making people pay to seem legitimate, you're just going to result in more disinformation and misinformation. People aren't going to get what they need out of the platform. And it became abundantly clear that perhaps Elon doesn't understand the point of the checkmark. Use it more as a status symbol rather than a verification like, symbol. Right. Like these people are real. And it also helps when looking at like foreign media. Because if you know, you're not from a country, it's kind of hard to know, you know, what's real, and what's not. And it's not even like a, oh, if you speak the, like the language thing. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity, had the shameful opportunity of having to distinguish what UK paper is real and what isn't. All named basically the same thing. It's hard to know what's a paper record and what's not. But the verification tools do help in terms of distinguishing that. And so it helps, it helps with the information flow. But if it gets rid of it, it's meh. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the town square idea also helps permeate this misinformation, disinformation thing, because you're giving everyone an equal voice, which in principle sounds nice. But when they're bad actors, it's 
not, it's not great. People can use it to spread harmful conspiracy theories. It really helps co-op campaigns that are against the American public. One of Twitter's core problems is that, well, core problems under Musk's idea of free speech absolutism is the idea of that people aren't acting in bad faith. And that is not true. As we saw, I don't know if you remember, we were in high school, but remember when ISIS was recruiting like teenagers to go fight on Twitter and everything like that? Uh, Twitter, that was like the first social media campaign of like disinformation of bad actors. From there, you know, you had Brexit and the COVID and then the election denial. These are all campaigns that some way or another were started by a real group, but then co-opted by foreign governments and foreign groups. And when you are not combating that, you sow disunity and you sow distrust among the electorate and also among the public. And Elon Musk does not have a legal responsibility to anybody. However, you do have to think, you know, at some level, you do have responsibility to your country. The idea of giving the Russian government, the Chinese government, an equal voice in Western society is misguided because disinformation only really harms democracies and societies with free flows of information. Disinformation, say in China or Russia, does not have the same impact because they can suppress whatever they want, right? And there is a control on the information being moved around. When we view what they're saying as equal speech, it definitely harms our democracy. And that's also why Twitter went through and was banning Russian propaganda outlets. And they're also just labeling them as Russian state media because when they're given an equal voice, there's no blowback, right? If I say something bad, then I face consequences here, but I also got to say it. Similarly, if Russia says something bad on our platform, nothing happens in Russia. He needs to keep the information moderation in place, if not raise it, the bar. And I know that a lot of people on the right complain that it stifles free speech, but this that is a whole other topic. But it, it, a lot of times if, if you are on the losing side of an argument, there's a lot of copium going around where you just make up your own reality. But something needs to happen. This free speech absolutism, all it does is help authoritarian actors undermine the democratic West. And uh, it's not it's not great. I also think the Paul Pelosi thing with Musk is really, really reveals quite a bit, right? Because as I said, all dis disinformation, all misinformation begins with disinformation. That was flagrant disinformation designed to distract from the real reasons that the attacker attacked Nancy Pelosi's husband, right? There needs to be a level of moderation. And if people really wanted an unmoderated space with rampant misinformation, disinformation, they just go on 4chan. There's a reason people don't go there. So your advice would be moderate. My or... advice would be moderate, moderate, <laughs> moderate, moderate, moderate. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you so much for hanging out. I'll be back this week. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button and I will talk to you all so soon. Go ahead and leave your thoughts, comments, questions below. I'm sure you have lots of thoughts on this situation. Situation, um, and I will see you all soon.